Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share, she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's See what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Sarah Allen. Hello, Susan. How are you doing this evening? The plants and I are basking in the rain. It wasn't very much, but it was mm. some rain, and at least there's clouds in the sky, so the sun is not 
beating relentlessly down on us. And we, I even went and, and looked into having a discussion about, you know, are we just calling it a drought or is it a drought? What's a, a drought? And yes, you know, yes, some of the nearby areas are in severe drought. We've had less than half the rain we usually get. Oh, that is significant. Wow. <clears throat> There's not a mushroom to be seen. Wow, is that for the year, for 2022, or for the summer, or? It's it, it's the dryness. It has to be wet for mushrooms. Wow. When I first lived in the Catskills, our normal weather pattern was that it would be, in the summertime, very sunny and hot during the day. And then by the late afternoon, it would cloud over. It would rumble the rum rum. There would be some lightning. You would get a, you know, some rain every, you know, couple of days. It would actually, like, come down for, for more than a few minutes. And there were just mushrooms everywhere because it was this constant, you know, alternation between the heat and the rain. And now the alternation is like heat, 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 and then like deluge. My friend Betsy, who lives near Tucson, couldn't drive the road to her house because there was a huge stream with boulders and tree roots running across it in Arizona. Oh, wow. I saw some stuff about the torrential rains and flooding there, but that is sounds like she was really in the heart of the high water. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Is her house yeah, it's, okay? Or? Her house? No, her house is fine. The water oh, good. goes into the lower place that her house is built up. From that, it's actually a long and and too much to go into story of her moving into a kind of semi-rural area that gradually became more and more suburban and that more and more developers wanted to put houses on as the people who had, they were called ranchettes. Mm-hmm. Like they were mm-hmm. real ranches, right? Which is usually hundreds of acres, right? right. So these were ranchettes, and they're right. prime for developers to buy and subdivide. Mm-hmm. So she has worked endlessly since she's been living there to. Um, buy the land around her to protect the land, to protect the cactuses, to work with the neighborhood groups to make sure that the developments take care of things. And then on top of all of this, the Army Corps of Engineers came in and said, we're going to make the drainage so much better for all of you. And they spent like two years tearing everything up, and now it is so bad. <laughs> She never had huge raging, you know, waterway blocking her access to her house before. 
And it's just not to be messed with. Like, I am coming from Florida. That was one of my first real, like, haha, pun intended, dives into being in touch with nature because we lived on a canal that received so much stormwater runoff. And I had no idea. I mean, now I have such an appreciation when it rains that all that water is moving off the pavement, going into open bodies of water. And it's getting there through ditches and, like, man-made waterways, essentially, that weren't really designed for that. And nature, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy, the flooding that results. And then in other places along the line, there's drought that results because the water got diverted away. And, wow, that's too bad that she, that they did that project like that. I hope everything is okay and, like, their rain stopped because, wow, just seeing how fast yes. things move in the desert. Mm. Yeah, and, and um, the mountain behind her house, which is usually sear and brown, is beautiful and green. So the desert is within some weeks is going to burst into blossom in that um, so rare Mm. thing that can happen when suddenly there's enough rain. Wow. Yeah. Well, I hope you all have rain, too. It sounds like I've been checking the weather a little bit every now and then. I have it plugged into my phone because of the times I visited you. So I don't look every day, but I'm always (laughs) hoping when I look there'll be a little wetness on the forecast. (laughs) Hopefully, hopefully, yes. Now, my new Scientific American tells me that the black hole mysteries have solved. Wow, that's Sometimes it's hard to know which one is scientific American and which one is fantasy and science fiction. Since I subscribe to both of them. But this says the new ideas about black holes are pretty confounding even to physicists who are discovering that the cosmos and the nature of our reality are even weirder than we have ever imagined. (laughs) Scientific American, not fantasy and science fiction. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Isn't it... Wonderful to know that we live in such a weird place. It really is. That we don't even know how weird, so it can only just keep getting weirder and weirder. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I made up a new saying this week, which oh. I'm going to do my best to keep in mind, which is. Sometimes a single drop of water in the glass needs to count as half full. Wow. Wow. That's, like, powerful. That's, that's shamanic, and it's 
capability of being able to be enough at a drop and be happy. Right. That's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Susan, yeah. the wisdom. Thank you. You're welcome. And we have a guest tonight who is going to be talking about the Franklin Method. It's the Franklin Method for embodying movement and enhancing performance and improving the everyday bodily functions so key to our survival. Uh, That's a BC kidder who's going to be with us talking about the Franklin Method. And yes, you can do it via Zoom. You don't have to do it in person. Tonight at 9 o'clock, right here, that's East Coast time, so stick with us or come back and listen to what BC Kidder has to say. What else has been going on for you this week besides the weird universe? Well, besides the weird universe, the beautiful universe showed up in my mailbox, and I was, like, overfilled with joy when I went through the mail from the weekend and found that you had sent me the most generous gift of seeds. So I have been diving into the 50-packet seed sampler, and I haven't even gotten to the yet-to-come items, the ginseng and the, I think it's shallots um, that are coming, gray shallots, which I've never, ne- I don't even think I've ever eaten, let alone grown. So, oh, my gosh, thank you. I've just been, like, dancing it up and learning all kinds of new stuff and really being motivated to make more magic than I even knew I was going to make last week in the garden. So, thank you. Thank you, thank you. This is a really <laughs> great time to plant herb seeds. Right, think about it. All of those plants that have flowered have set seeds, and those seeds are falling on the ground right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, and some of them will sprout, and they'll you know, get enough growth to overwinter, and some will just, like, hunker down and not sprout till next spring. And some of them won't do anything at all, of course. Mm-hmm. But it's always fun to see, you know, who's happy to come and play. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited. Thank you so much. You're uh yes. thank you. You're <laughs> uh, and and the um I'm really working on <laughs> quieting my desire to thrash the woodchuck. Oh, which came and ate off every single one of my calendula flowers. <laughs> Calendula. Oh, I know, like you watch the calendula grow and you watch the flower buds come and then you say, ah, yes, oh, how wonderful, soon there'll be calendula. And then you come back to the garden and the calendula plants are eaten to within one inch of the ground. You see the fat woodchuck wobbling off, whistling. Oh, my. Does this woodchuck have a name or... Just the oh, goodness, no. <laughs> <laughs> no I, naming would, <clears throat> I would wish the woodchuck not to exist, but the woodchuck does not eat alliums. 
Mm. The woodchuck does not eat onions of any kind. The woodchuck does not like mint family plants. The woodchuck does not eat rosemary or thyme or catnip or motherwort. Yay. And it really cut into my mallows, beautiful pink mallows. That would have been almost like bushes. Chuck kept eating them down to about two inches. And so they were more like ground covers. And the only one that really, like, got bushy was growing in the middle of the catnip. Oh, wow. grew kind of up with catnip. 100% 100% around it, and it's the only one that woodchuck wouldn't eat. Wow, I guess we know how to plant mallow if there's woodchucks around from now on. <laughs> well, I just, as I say, I'm, you know, I'm out there working out, you know, because people keep saying, oh, you have to fence the garden. I'm like, no, this, this is going to be an unfenced garden, and, you know. I'm going to have to learn the hard way that if I want calendula, it has to be on the deck. Because mm. the Woodchucks don't like to come up on the deck. Mm. So, and so far, blessed be, the our area has not had the incursions of bears that almost everybody else has because of the drought. Oh wow! I had not heard a thing about that. Like, yeah, bears? the bears are thirsty and hungry. There's a mama with three teenage babies in town who is being a real problem. Oh, my God. They're, you know, busting people's windows and going into their kitchens. and. <laughs> wow. That can be very dangerous. I mean, it's funny when you kind of see a clip on the news, but that is not a good combination for town. It's not. It's not. And, you know, um, Astrid um, passed Apprentice, who runs the uh, Red Earth uh, Women's Herbal Gathering, the Colorado Women's Herbal Gathering, uh, lives in Steamboat Springs, where A man opened his bedroom door, and there's a bear standing there. Oh, wow. So he shot it, and I, and I looked at the person who was telling me the story, and I said, he shot the bear. She said, yeah, he shot the bear. I said, so did he get in more trouble for shooting the bear than if he'd shot a person? Mm. And she said, she said, no, in Colorado, if you are threatened by a bear, you may shoot the bear. Wow. I was wondering the answer, too, after you said the question. Wow. Interesting. I mean, we just mm. have little bears. They have big bears. We do not have bears, and I am grateful. Like, there are just not bears around here. So if they come here, something really, the universe is getting really weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of, of questions, are there any? Yes, there are. There are three hands that are raised. And I'll let everyone listening know that if you have a question this evening, you need to press number one 
uh, on your keypad so that we can see your hand go up in the queue. Uh, the first question this evening is dialed in from the 240 area code. From the 240, you are live with Susan. Hello. Hi. Hello there. Hi, I was calling because I, um, in early August, I developed a cyst on my labia. Um, I've been told it's not a Bartholin cyst. It's pretty high. It's like um, to the left and a little lower than my, to my, where my urethra is, kind of on that flap of full of skin that's right there. Um, and it has gotten, it has gotten big, I guess, I don't know if that means abscessed, but it's gotten really big and uh, drained, I guess, red and white fluid on its own. And then I thought, oh, okay, it's it, it's going to go away now. But then within a week, it, like, filled back up again on its own and it drained on its own. I didn't have it lanced or anything. My doctor had actually told me to put a carrot poultice on it to kind of draw it out so that it would come to a head because it's excruciatingly painful when it gets big. Um, and so I've been doing, like, hot baths, hot compresses, and I came across your old newsletter, and I know one of the big things was to put the comfrey um, compress on there. But my question was, um, so since it opened the second time in the bath, I kind of I massage it and push on it to get whatever's in there to come out. And, and you know, the so red and white stuff comes out twice a day when I take a bath. But I was wondering about, like, putting the comfrey on it. Is it going to heal over wherever it's coming out and then um, – you know, just get end up getting big again and really, really painful, and I'll, I'm just going to kind of be stuck in this cycle. So I just, I just wondered kind of what you would recommend for this situation. I mean, not just comfort, but like I would, I really want to like do everything I can to get this thing to resolve and go away um, for good. <laughs> I absolutely hear you. Let's think back a little bit to. When when you first noticed this, when was that? Well, and I, what I first noticed was that I had like a burning sensation in that area when I wiped, um, and I had some little bit of dryness, um, probably like right around the end of July, beginning of August, um, and then just within a couple of days, it just kind of exploded um, into a cyst, I guess. <laughs> well. I wouldn't call it a cyst. You don't think it's a cyst? Okay. No. A cyst is like a fluid or solid-filled sac that is generally non-infective and non-cancerous. Okay. This sounds more like some kind of infection. Oh, okay. Because I haven't run a fever or anything like that with it. Um, well, you're talking about pus and blood coming out of it. Well, I assume that's what it is. It was, I mean, it was red and, and white. I, I mean, red I've never white. had anything like this in, red red in my life. Pus, so. Blood and pus, right? So that pus okay. indicates infection. Infection doesn't have to be systemic. It can be local. Okay. Okay. People people can have a, a diabetic foot which becomes gangrened and has to be cut off, so the, they don't have a systemic infection, but their foot is 
totally infected, right? Okay, yeah. Same thing, you can get an infection in your tooth without necessarily running a fever. Okay. So, so my my sense, and especially the way that you're talking about it, it starting a cyst generally gets big very slowly. Okay. So it would be like July, August. It wouldn't be until like next month that the cyst would be even big enough to notice generally. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, no, yeah. this happened much more quickly. So again, okay. and the way you said it like blew up and that it was painful and sore, these are all indications of infection. Oh, Okay. So I think that it's a very good idea whenever there's infection to ally with anti-infective herbs. Okay. Do you have any anti-infective herbs? You, do you generally use anti-infective herbs? Um, I mean, I have echinacea. I think it gets the folia. Echinacea tincture? I I believe it might be a glycerin, but I, I it's it, it's it's as a base. But I, I have that I have a glycerin tincture, I think. Okay. Um, a glyceride is it actually a tincture? The difficulty okay. with glyceride is that it's not n- nearly as extractive, so okay. it's not as effective. Encountering infection. Okay. I like to use the tincture of Echinacea root by itself, okay. not with anything else, not with golden seal or anything else, and not with seeds, but just the root of the Echinacea. Okay. And yeah. I use a dropper full of the tincture for every okay. 50, for every fifty pounds of body weight. Okay, one dropper per 15 pounds. Okay. Dropper full, which is 25 drops. For yes. okay. 50 pounds. So a 100 pound person would be two dropper fulls, and a 150 pound person, or between 100 and 150, would be three dropper fulls. With the glyceride, you'll have to double that. Okay. And it still won't be anywhere nearly as effective. So you might want to just keep the glyceride for some rainy day and get some tincture, it's up to you. Yes, I will definitely look for the tincture. Yeah. And when I'm dealing with an active infection, I generally take that dose pretty close together. I'm sorry, take this dose what? Take the dose, your full dose, fairly frequently. Okay. So like every two or three hours? Yes, every two or three hours would be excellent. And okay. then as you, start, as you start to get relief, you can back off and take it every three or four hours, every four to six hours, and so on, right? Okay. Gradually back off, yeah. Gradually back off, right. And okay. A really good external antibacterial is yarrow. Do you have access to any yarrow? I mean, yes, I do. Mm-hmm. And in what form? 
Um, I mean, I have some growing <laughs> in my garden, herb garden. I don't, I haven't, it's not in any other form that's like a... Okay, but what color is that yellow that's growing in your herb garden? It's just like the whitish normal color that you would find in the wild, yeah. Excellent, excellent, because a lot of times when people grow it in their garden, they have like red or different colors. White is perfect. So, yellow, is it blooming now? It's kind of at the end of its life, so there's probably a couple, yeah, but I might be able to find a little bit. So what you can do is use the leaves then. Oh, okay, okay. The the leaves are quite quite effective, and the easiest way to use them is to pick one good-sized leaf, Uh they're not big leaves, and chew it up. It's going to be okay. kind of bitter. It's got a strong taste. It's not nasty, but it's it's got a, a, a taste to it. And when uh-huh. it's really thoroughly chewed up, then you're going to put that spit poultice on your infection. Okay, kind of like you would do, like plant in on like a bug, a sting or something like that. Exactly. Okay. Um, and if I don't, if I can't find an, enough of the good yarrow, like what other form would you do it? Would you, how would you do it in a different form of yarrow? Well, I'd make yarrow tincture every summer so that I have plenty of yarrow tincture on hand. Oh, so you would just apply that externally and I would apply, with the tincture? I would spray the tincture on. Gotcha. I don't okay. know if you got a chance to go to the Comfrey Conference. This May we had a... A virtual comfrey conference. It's available at uh, wisewomanschool.com, and okay. we I, I especially look for presenters to present um, on things that um, many of us worry about, like can I put comfrey on a wound or will it heal it up too fast? And okay. Barbara Barbara Volk did a, a brilliant presentation. Uh, with slides of uh, some severely injured animals, uh, a cat that had had all of the skin and the fur pulled off of its tail, um, a oh. horse that had gotten its um, belly caught on barbed wire and ripped open. She, there was a picture of her with her arm up to her elbow up in the wound. And it wasn't oh, wow. in wasn't into the guts. It was just along you know the belly wall. Fortunately, but it was a huge wound. Mm-hmm. And uh, and, other, and she healed all of those with comfrey. Yellow first, then comfrey. Okay. Wow. That's amazing. Oh yeah, I'm gonna have to look at that Barbara Volk. Right. So if you if you have access to the comfrey conference, go and check out Barbara Volk. She's one. She was on, uh, I think, toward the end of the week, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I believe. Okay. Um, so just amazing, amazing work that she does and has okay. been doing for years and years and years. And she also uses honey. Okay, yep. Right, and she finds honey, and that's another thing you can think about. Honey is just so soothing and healing, and especially mm-hmm. the area that you're working with. Right. Right? Yes, absolutely. So... You're going to be taking some anti-infective, hopefully, echinacea root internally and mm-hmm. 
working to clear the infection and as well applying anti-infectives and healing agents directly to the infection. Now, here's the hard part. Okay. Did anybody ever tell you you shouldn't squeeze a pimple? Um, probably. I mean, I never really had pimples growing up, but I think that sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah. How come? Uh, are you going to introduce bacteria to it? Yes. Okay. So you're saying that don't just leave it alone, just let it get big, possibly. Don't, don't mess get, with it in the It's not going to get okay. big. It's not going to. Okay. <laughs> The things you're going to be doing, you're going to be doing things, right? You're not just leaving it alone, are you? No, no, no. Yeah, I'm going to do all this stuff. <laughs> you have all these things you're going to be doing. You have yellow, you have honey, you're going to be taking it. And see things happening here. Okay. But better if you can, and I know how hard it is to keep your hands away from it for a while. Yes, it's going to be hard. <laughs> yes, it is. You know, paint your toenails, block uh, your eyebrows, find some other part of yourself to, to pick at. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and, man. And, you know, it doesn't have to be forever. If you can give yourself even like 36 hours off, I think it will help. Okay. Because it bruises the tissue when you're squeezing it, right? Yeah. It, yes. I was just so afraid it was going to get big again because it was so I know. Painful. I really do understand. <laughs> but I think that, that you've got some real allies and that things are going to start to look really different now. Okay. What about, I know I had read uh, in one of your things you add, it was like one drop of like poke root tincture. Is that something, is that a little bit too strong or for a different application? I would do that if the infection isn't responding to the echinacea. Okay, so start with the echinacea. You give it like what, a week or so? And if after a couple of days you're not seeing any difference and you have, uh-huh. you have root tincture on hand? Okay, yeah, I do. That's interesting. Just, you don't have echinacea. No, no, I ordered some when I read your thing because I, I knew it was going to call, so just, just in case I ordered it. be here tomorrow. So I was trying to get prepared for my call. Okay. <laughs> You're doing a great job. Call back in a week or two and tell us how it's going, all right? Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time. I'm really grateful. I appreciate it. Green blessings. Good night. Green blessings. All right. And it looks like we have two callers that have pressed one to raise their hand and get lined up in the queue. Our next caller is dialed in from the 239 area code. From the 239, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. Thank you so much for taking my call. Uh, I called about two weeks ago and, um, I had a reoccurrence of Graves' disease after COVID, after um, having been symptom-free for about nine years. And um, I've been drinking my nourishing herbal infusions more regularly. I made the elderberry syrup, which I've been taking. 
I've been taking the um, astragalus tincture. And I also listened to your uh, talk with Ryan Drum. He's so amazing. Yes, you both are amazing. And I was just... Um, I so how's it going? I'm curious about... I'm sorry? How's it going? How are you? You know, I don't think it's been long enough for me to really notice a lot. Um, uh-huh. The symptoms the symptoms that I'm having uh, are the rapid heartbeat. I've lost a lot of weight and muscle. Um, I have tinnitus that I've had since January, so like the buzzing in the ears. Um the uh, tremors, shaking, my voice has changed. So it's it's a lot. It's a lot to get through. But I was curious about something you said on with with Ryan in your talk, you were mentioning that when there's thyroid dysfunction that it's usually um it's doing its job. The thyroid is doing its job. Yes, Ryan is very, very much of the belief that the thyroid is doing its job. And I would say that in general, what I have found is that the more I can understand how the body is right instead of starting from a belief that it's wrong, the better able I am to find health. Yeah, that really spoke to me. You know, I, I, I'm trying to understand my body and understand the, the root of it. I know it's based on the immune system. It's an autoimmune response, so I'm trying to understand it. Um, I've been trying to understand it for the last eight months but I feel like I haven't really gotten a lot of relief in my symptoms. Um, I am going to get some blood work done. I know that the doctor's approach, I know what that is. I've, I've dealt with that before. They suggest either radiation or um, surgery, which I didn't want to do at the time, and I'm glad I didn't. But um, I guess I'm just getting blood work for clarification just to make sure um, that I know for sure what's going on. But, yeah, I just, I don't know. I just wanted to see if maybe uh, I could understand it a little bit better, you know. What, what does it your thyroid right now is correct. You know, from from what I understood from the um from the talk, uh the way I understood it was maybe the there's there's something in the blood that the body's trying to process and so it's passing through the thyroid and the thyroid enlarges so that it could uh deal with the volume.
certainly a possibility. There's a level of symbolism that is more important than an intellectual understanding. It's very enticing to think that we can intellectually understand what is going on and that if we have an intellectual understanding, we can then change things to suit ourselves. Mm -hmm. Neither of those beliefs is justifiably true. Even if we have a complete understanding of exactly what is going on with your thyroid, even if you get blood work and they can tell you exactly what hormones your thyroid is and isn't making, they are still not capable of causing your thyroid to do exactly as they wish it to do, are they? Right. So we can't, you know, pretend that our desire to intellectually understand, to measure, and to fix is actually going to result in our being healthier. Mm -hmm. There is, however, a symbolic level always the somatic level, the fact that our body, our soma, is our living representation of our wholeness. And if we allow ourselves to be moved by that, it often happens that a new way of loving ourselves becomes known. Mm -hmm. Like everyone, you would like have a particular thing with a particular prognosis and a particular treatment. And it, it may be available and it may be elusive, but the symbolic level, the somatic level is always there. So you are losing weight and you are tired. I'm not tired. Um, The hyperthyroid just makes everything very energetic, so I have energy. Um, You have lots of energy, okay, and you're losing, but you're losing weight. Yes. And are there other problems 
with your problem? The problem with the problem. The problem with the problem. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I feel like I've been trying to, you know, like I guess my problem is I'm trying to figure it out. I've given myself some time uh, of being with the symptoms and and just being okay with with them. But, you know, I I just feel like at this point... That's not what we're doing here. You're sidestepping the issue entirely. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you're you're reverting back to, I'm going to intellectually understand this. No, that's not what we're going to do. Right, right. What's, what bothers you about this? What's the problem? You know, mainly it's, it's not having the strength that I did before. Um, just, you know, feeling weak in, feeling in my weak. physical body. Yes. Feeling physically weak. Yes. So who... lives in you that is capable of saying right now I can be physically weak mm-hmm. can you recognize voice at all? I hear you, yes. It's, it's, um, about when I was a baby. My mother had me when she was 40. So her, my, my siblings are 10 plus years older than I am. And um, yeah, I, I, I really don't know a lot about when I was a baby. I would like you when you are feeling weak to out to that baby. That's certainly a time when you were weak, yes? Right. Mm-hmm. And supported and loved, I believe. And so I think that that baby can mentor you, can help you right now. like there's a, like many of us, you promised yourself something as a child that has been 
somehow left behind. And I think that by going back um, even that far, that uh, you will find that particular piece. Mm Mm-hmm. Because if we go with their idea of autoimmune, then what we're saying is that you're fighting yourself, right? Correct, yes. And so we want to see if we can go back before you were fighting yourself. Because it hasn't always been that way. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's not an intellectual thing. It may, something may happen in your dreams. But it's more an evocative and experiential and embodied thing that we're looking for here. And mm-hmm. and perhaps um, we need to ask for help from COVID. Okay, I'm listening. You said this started after you had COVID. Yes, I believe so. So you had COVID for a few days. You were sick for a long time. Uh, yeah, I I had COVID for a few days and uh, got really weak during that time. And um, shortly after, I started having the rapid heartbeat, the tremors, and, mm-hmm. uh, and what, seek... what, what um, herbal heart helpers are you allied with? Uh, at that time, I was taking motherwort tincture, mm-hmm. and another tincture, it was a blend, I know you're not in favor of blends, but it was a blend with hawthorn and motherwort and a few other uh, herbs that I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now? I just continue to take the motherwort tincture. I'm taking the astragalus tincture as well. Um, mm-hmm. I was also taking dandelion tincture uh, since since the beginning pretty much, not on a daily basis, but in the beginning I was taking it on a daily basis and uh, just started taking, um, I made the elderberry syrup a few weeks nice. ago. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Yum. Yum, elderberry. Yes. Very nice. Dark so. honey, local wildflower honey. So, yeah, it's very good. Ah, ha, 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 ha. Ah, um, if you have access to hawthorn, you may want to think about adding some hawthorn. Okay. 
to see if that can slow down your heart. Also, does your heart still continue to beat fast, and does it do that at erratic times, or do you have some sense of, oh, if I get upset, that will happen, or... Yeah, definitely, if I get nervous or upset, it'll definitely be faster. My uh, nervous system... At, is, and at, right know. at those times, have you taken motherwort? Yes. And does that change it? Yes. Good. All right. I'm glad to hear that. Yes. So, um... That always makes me believe that you're on the right track. Mm -hmm. You're getting a good response. Your body is happy with what you're doing and um, will continue. quite probably to respond well to that and similar things. Mm -hmm. So the wonderful thing about somatic work is that when, when we relax into it, the change can be quite abrupt. The whole sense, the whole sense mm-hmm. of what our body needs to do to keep us healthy can shift very dramatically. Right now, your body, in order to keep you healthy, believes that it has to do X, Y, and Z. That can change. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be a slow and gradual change. It can be a very overnight change. Okay. Okay. And is this something that I can do with a practitioner, or is this something that I have to, you know, just dive into myself? Systematic work. I would say give yourself a little time with it. See what your dreams bring you. See what you start to think about or daydream about. And if after whatever length of time you pick, a week or two or three, you don't believe that you've gotten anywhere at all, and you want to seek out um, someone to help you. There's certainly nothing wrong with that. 
I always like to give the internal guidance system the first shot at it, though. Yeah. Okay. And see what it can bring forth, because I do believe that we all lead charmed lives. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. And keep calling. We can keep talking. Thank you. I've been listening for many years, but never had a reason to call. And I'm very grateful to be able to speak to you. I really appreciate that. Thank you for sharing with us. Thank you, Susan. All right. And it looks have two callers that have pressed one to raise their hand. Uh, the next caller that has pressed one has dialed in from the 937 area code. From the 937, you are live with Susan. Hey, Susan, I just have a couple quick questions for you. All right. Okay, so the first question um, is about the Linden uh I guess it would be like seed pods or fruit or whatever it is, the little balls on the linden. Yep. I know your I know your YouTube video says that you can make chocolate from them, but can we infuse those? No. Okay. All right. And then the next question would be, can I infuse the leaves? Sure. So just dry them out and then just do the half ounce or whatever? No, if it's you're using the leaf, you're going to use whole ounce, and has to okay, be cut so, up. Okay, perfect, perfect. So cut it up. Okay, and then the other question was. And so, and so, why would you want to use the leaf? Um, because I missed the elder or the the flowers this year on the linden. Oh, so you're asking if you can use the leaf instead of the flowers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, you left that word out. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You said, can I use the leaves? Okay. Yes, you can use the leaves. I'm not sure why you would want to use the leaves, but you could use the leaves. Are the leaves the same as the flowers? Not by a long shot. What would be the difference? I told you I was serving you carrots for dinner, and you came in, and on your plate was a bunch of carrot greens. Okay. I see what you're saying. Linden leaves are mucilaginous. Linden leaves are used as poultices. There would be nothing wrong with making an infusion of linden leaf, but there would be nothing as good about it as using the linden flowers. There's a reason why all over the world where the linden grows, people harvest the flowers with their green leaf-like parts, which some people mistakenly think are leaves, but they aren't, and don't, in general, harvest the linden leaves, right? Right. So it may be that all of our ancestors for 
hundreds of thousands of years have just been too stupid to do it, or maybe they're telling us something. So if I miss harvesting a plant, if I miss it just by a little, then I get in my time machine, um, which looks like a car, and I drive north or up. Because that's time machine, right? I'm going back in time when I go north or if I go up into the mountains. Right, right. And if I miss it by a lot, then I partake of the fantastic herb industry in the United States where herbs can be freely bought and sold, where you can buy pounds of herb as you wish, where you do not have to have a prescription, where you can... Truly enjoy healthcare freedom. So, wow, you know, I just, um, in fact, uh, got, uh, I think it was five or six pounds of linden flowers from Frontier Herb. Some for me, some for friends. All right, cool. Um, do you have time for one more question? Well, I guess that was a question. It was a question, so why don't you go ahead and ask. Go okay. Ahead. Uh, uh, the um, elderberries, um, locally there's a lot of elderberries, this Sambucus candensis, and I was wondering if those are okay to make medicine out of, like elderberry syrup or tincture. I'm a little unclear about the question. So I, Sambucus canadensis is a medicinal elderberry, correct? Yeah, but or I Sambucus, thought... Sambucus nigra is the one that's usually talked about. So yeah, the one the that you have, the canadensis, what color are the berries? Uh, they're dark purple. Dark purple. So far as I know, all of the dark purple elderberries are perfectly fine to use as medicine. Okay, perfect, perfect, all right. All right. All right, thank you, Susan. You're welcome. Green blessings. Good night. Green blessings. All right, and there is one caller that has pressed one to get their hand raised and be seen in the queue. You are dialed in from the 907 area code. From the 907, you are live with Susan. Hello, Susan. Hi. Um, I'm calling for my dog. I'd let him speak with you, but he'd probably chew your chew, chew your ear off. So <laughs> That's I'm, a good one. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm representing him today. All right, good deal. <laughs> <laughs> so he has a staph infection on his leg. Um, he's been he's been dealing with this. I don't remember what the name of this growth that he had. We took care of the growth, and he keeps licking the spot, and it, it, it just ended up now in a staph infection. The doctor put him on antibiotics. Um, looking for something, a salve 
that would be helpful. The, the creams that they gave us didn't do anything. What have you tried that hasn't worked yet? Have you tried well, any I, herbs I, at all? I bought a spray um, that was herbal, like a, a you know, to clean it. But uh-huh. I haven't put any herbal salves on it yet because I'm not sure. I, I, so what, free, was I herbal, what was in the herbal spray? Um, let's see. Uh, colloidal oatmeal, tea tree oil, witch hazel, neem, glycerin, aloe vera. Ouch. Ouch and ouch. Ouch. Ouch and ouch. Ouch. Tea tree oil is an essential oil. Neem is an essential oil. Essential oils are drugs. Mm. That could have made it worse. It could have made it worse. I wonder if that's what brought the staph infection into deeper into his leg. So, yarrow. We've been talking about yarrow a lot tonight. And I talk about yarrow a lot because it is such a wonderful, simple, easy to make, easy to have on hand, easy to use herbal disinfectant. Okay. So I always make sure that I find a sunny summer afternoon to pick some white yarrow flowering tops and to make some tincture. And if you haven't, I know that um, Catskill Mountain Herbs, or White Feather at Catskill Mountain Herbs has probably made yarrow tincture. And... Um, I much prefer it in vodka because then it's very skin-friendly so that I can put it in a spray bottle and just spray it on a wound. That way I don't have to touch the wound. I had a MD who apprenticed with me one summer, and her application letter said that she wanted to come and apprentice with me because she was so upset at all the infections caused by antibiotic ointments. Mm-hmm. And she really thought that they were a horrible bane. And she wanted to create an herbal ointment that could be used in hospital settings. And I said, well, first of all, ointment and hospital are never going to be in the, in the same sentence. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as you put your fingers in the ointment, it ain't sterile anymore. Right. <laughs> so I encouraged her to think about a spray, an alcohol-based spray. And she worked with yarrow and several other herbs. 
because she needed to have a formula so that she could get backers and have a product. And she, they actually went all the way up to like their first, um, I think, you know, trial with several thousand people and was highly successful. And then they needed to get like a lot of money to go into major production. They couldn't uh, leap that hurdle. But just Yarrow spray. I keep, you know, Yarrow tincture in a spray bottle. That's good because, you know, I use that tincture on my teeth. And, you know, I, I think you remember I called you about dentists, how I left all these yeah. dentists. <laughs> so I, I got my a new dentist, and I've been using the yarrow on my teeth. And the other dentist said, oh, you know, you have a couple of pockets and uh, maybe a little bit of periodontal. Well, the, the dentist I have now says, I don't have any. <laughs> yarrow. Yeah, so all I have to do is just put that in a spray bottle. Yeah, grab your spray bottle. And the vodka won't burn the skin, right? That doesn't hurt. Exactly. Doesn't hurt. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, Yeah, it never hurts. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so simple. Good. Good, I'm going to do that then. All right. Thank you, Susan. And Bubble thanks you also. (laughs) Green blessings to you. Bye-bye. All right. And we have two callers that have pressed one to raise their hand. Our next caller is dialed in from the 352 area code. From the 352, we are live with Lisa. Hello. Hi, Susan. Hello, Hello Susan. Tonight. Carol. Well, tonight yeah. I I am in I told you I was going to this festival and it's here in Russell, Massachusetts. So I've been in the Catskills. Oh my gosh. And I've actually I'm I'm ten minutes away from this wonderful festival that my my nephew and I've been cooking for them, but it's gone up a notch because it's been four years. Oh wow. my gosh! I know. Oh, it's wow. called Fractal Fest. There are grandchildren. Um, it is a really kind of really cool thing to see all the. Our, you know, anyway, I'm going to be there in ten minutes. And um, what are your thoughts on LSD? Now I'm there as a cook. I'm the chief. I'm the chef. There, baby. I'm feeding 500 people this weekend. Um, like I'm on, like the fish are running. I'm making food without them knowing it. Okay. So, but you want to offer them some uh, some electronic Kool Aid? That's a whole different thing, as long as it's clearly labeled. Well, we're making for labeling and free will, not for surreptitious dosing. Well, no, no, back up. I'm the, I am the um, chief kitchen lady. We're serving 12 yes. gallons of infusions every day. Everything's Woo-hoo. great. Everything's uh, right? I'm just saying. It's, it's, and it's the first year that it's got a really nice venue with cabins and, and a kitchen. Oh. Uh, not a primitive kitchen, but a kitchen. A real kitchen. All right. Yay. And I just drove 27 hours. 
and my daughter gave birth when I was waiting on this. <gasps> I think. Yeah, oh, my and gosh. then home birth, yay, and yeah, everything was great. Yay. And then, but I had to leave because I was like, I had to leave Monday morning. So she had it Sunday afternoon. So I left, you know, like everybody settled back. And Susan and I, 10 minutes away from making the, it's called the Bitchin' Kitchen. I named it that. I, I thought about mash them in, which you like mash them in, but then I right. like Bitchin' Kitchen. So I, it's been four years since I rocked, and we got, I got mixers and fryers and ovens and not, a, you know, like, we have upgraded. We're Boy Scouts now, and it's oh, in Massachusetts. Hey. Oh, think of the things you can make. I know, right? And this guy, it's really exciting. And I saw a double rainbow coming over, and I'm, oh, I just spent 27 hours on the I literally am 10 minutes from entering this. And I've been listening. I called in. But Susan, wish me luck, my love. I wish you luck. Hooray. Yay. And, and Hooray. we're not very far because I drove through the Catskills and went to the Walmart and thought, she's close by, feeling the energy. But I'm there I just you driving. Go. The Woo-hoo. Yay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. And thank you. All for right. Me. I, I All got, right. I got till Sunday well, night. Thank you. Good night, Susan. Well. Thank you. Love you. Bye. 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 All right. And we've got about 15 minutes before our guest joins us this evening. And there is one caller with their hand raised uh, from the 908 area code. The 908, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. It's Carol Raftis from New Jersey. Hi, Carol. How are you this evening? I'm just, well, hearing your voice and your wisdom and honoring you forever. Oh, thank Uh, you, Carol, so much. uh, I want to see you soon. We'll have to see each other. Um, I wondered if you could review the mushrooms that you take and, um, you know, the various ones and probably you use powders or maybe I, I'm not sure and what company you like to order from the man that I trust the most with mushrooms is Paul Stamets right and his company is Fungi Perfecti now okay. interestingly enough he doesn't actually sell mm, very much mushrooms. He tends to sell the mycelium. Mm-hmm. There's a controversy about whether or not um, the mycelium is as good. Mm-hmm. He believes even that it's even better than the fruiting body. And being a university-trained scientist, he has a lot of um, very well-funded studies, not that he's done, but that that have been done with his mycelium uh, powders showing that the mycelium works as better or or even works as well or even better than the fruiting bodies. We know that mushrooms tend to work better together. 
Oh, really? And he has a blend of over 30 different mushrooms and mushroom mycelium's called My Community. Oh. And that's available as a powder and it's also available as a tincture. And they're both really excellent. Um, and it's absolutely what it says it is. Paul is completely and totally trustworthy. I also use products by various other um, places. Real Mushrooms has a blend called Five Defenders. Now, Real Mushrooms, as you can tell by the name, um, spends a fair amount of time uh, insinuating that mycelium doesn't work and that only the fruiting bodies work. And they grow, so their powders are only fruiting bodies, not mycelium, and those are all grown organically in China. It's difficult for me to say those three words one after another and believe them. So, with other individual mushrooms, I would say, um, is there a local supplier? Is somebody working near you? More and more people are getting interested in mushrooms. I have long made mushrooms an important part of my diet. And for most of us, I think that's really the best way to work with mushrooms. Yes, to eat mushrooms. You know, the research at Duke University in the 50s, first research showing that mushrooms could kill cancer cells wow. and prevent, prevent them from developing, um, found that all mushrooms were equally effective. Even the white button mushrooms that you buy at the supermarket. Mm. So it's in. I think what's important is to consume mushrooms. Yes. Rather than to be a consumer of mushrooms. So you will recall, I'm sure you've heard me say that I failed Consumerism 101. (laughs) So rather than saying, oh, buy this product, do this, take this, Um, which is not what I do. Um, What I say is the next time you're in the supermarket, buy some mushrooms, cook them, maybe with some onions, put them over your vegetables, put them over your rice, right? Have them with your eggs for breakfast, eat more mushrooms. You want to buy some mushroom powders? It's fun to have mushroom powders. Around somebody sent me a canister of lion's mane, fruiting bodies only. It says, you see, 
just so that I know no mycelium ain't there. And although I'm absolutely fine with the mycelium because Paul has certainly convinced me that it's fine. Uh, I have no problem at all with um, the mycelial extracts. I think they work just fine. As a matter of fact, Paul's mother, who had a breast cancer apparently decides a cantaloupe, um, he got her put into a study using mycelial powder, uh, which reversed her cancer. Wow. And not just hers. Wow. In fact, the the responses of the cancer cells to the turkey tail was dose-dependent. The greater the dose, the stronger the response, because they had three different arms at different dosage levels. Wow. For some years, from the point at which I suspected that I might have cancer, and through my actual diagnosis of cancer, and then my treatment... I did indeed take some form of five defenders and some form of my community several times a day. Wow, yes. I do believe that that was certainly in part why um, there was no metastatic process and there was no lymph node involvement. Oh, boy. Even though... Even though I did have cancer in a lymph node, the lymph nodes touching that lymph node did not have cancer. But once that resection was done, once that surgery was done, um, I, I no longer felt any particular desire to do anything other than to continue to eat mushrooms in my diet. Okay. So I have the lion's mane on my table, and I'm sprinkling that on my rice and my this and that and the other thing because this lovely person sent it to me. Oh. And it tastes Mm -hmm. good. It's just fine. Ah. And, hey, it's supposed to make you mentally sharper. Who doesn't want to be mentally sharper, right? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Now, up in the Catskills, you can probably locally find people. <clears throat> no mushrooms because... this year at all, drought. Oh, dear. No rain. Oh, dear. Dry, 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 dry. Oh, the trees goodness. are already starting to lose leaves. It's so dry. Oh, goodness, goodness. Mm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Too hot. No. Too hot. Too hot. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. But so, hopefully it will get cooler. Yes, yes. Did you get rain yesterday? Or, yeah, yesterday. We, we got, we got um, the thought of rain. Oh. And today it rained for, I don't know, maybe five minutes. Oh, 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 wow. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, 
So <clears throat> you would order um, Paul through going to his website. You order it there. That's yeah. where you order Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and same with real mushrooms. You order it yeah. from his, yeah, his website. Yeah. And eat them. But, um, well, maybe. And, maybe we and rather, and I did that when I needed that. But now that I don't need that, I don't do either yeah. of those things. Now I eat mushrooms. Yes. Yes. But if, like you say, if they're not out there because there's no rain, there could be dried ones for purchase. Yes, but I don't have to buy dried mushrooms. I can go to the supermarket and buy fresh mushrooms. They sell them. Oh, okay. All mushrooms are equal. Any mushroom that's sold at the supermarket is as good as any mushroom you can buy. Okay. Mainly in the supermarket, it's, now, you know, within that, within that, certainly there's, like, a little difference here and a little difference there. And you get, like, really down into it, let's say, like, oh, well, Susan, certainly you couldn't say that reishi is exactly the same as, like, a, a white mushroom. And I said, no, no, of course not, you know, because it's, they're different kinds of mushrooms. But then when you get, like, start to get into it, like in Chinese practice, oh, well, there's this kind of reishi and there's that kind of reishi and there's this other kind of reishi and there's this other kind. And you can keep splitting the hairs further and further, but the fact of the matter is that in terms of preventative medicine, all mushrooms are equal, and you buy at the supermarket are probably the best. Okay. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go buy any special thing. Those are medicinal mushrooms for when you have cancer. Got it. They have wise words. Yes. No particular reason to do that. Eating mushrooms will help you stay healthy much better than taking anything. Yes, yes. Right. Staying healthy does not come about by drugging ourselves, even if we're drugging ourselves with mushrooms. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Susan, so much. Yeah, I'm just so... I'm just so thankful and grateful that you are that you have healed yourself. I'm so thankful you've had just an enormous trip into that. Hey, all the help in the world. Thank you, everybody, everybody. Thank you. So many wonderful, wonderful helpers, corporeal and incorporeal. Yeah. Here and there, from the past and from the present and from the yeah. future. It's yeah. so wonderful oh, to know that there are so many helpers always available to uh, all of us. Love treasure you, Carol. Thanks for your call. Treasure. Yeah, treasure every moment and every word, Susan. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. Is BC with us? Yes, she is here with us. She's a certified level two Franklin Method educator. She also is a certified yoga teacher, and she has over 500 hours of yoga teacher training, including two aerial yoga teacher certificates. 
certifications. We're going to have to find out about that. BC has been teaching yoga for more than 10 years and has spent her 48 years on this earth enjoying all of the many ways that humans can move their bodies through life. BC has taught yoga at several yoga studios in Portland, Oregon. And since the early days of COVID, she transitioned and now provides a safe, student-focused virtual yoga movement studio via Zoom using the Franklin Method for embodying movement and enhancing performance and improving the everyday bodily functions so key to our survival. BC's classes are accessible to all body types, ages, and genders. Welcome to the show. I'm just reeling. How could you have a movement class that isn't applicable to all genders? I can't even imagine it. <laughs> this but is very absolutely true. thing to say, BC. I know. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for reeling. I mean, come on. <laughs> stop. Please. It's just awful. Okay. It makes me not trust um, you. Really? Really? Well, I'm just trying to be as Really, it's possible. like my saying. I te- it's like my saying. I teach herbal medicine to all air breathers. <laughs> but you do teach. Well, what? I mean, animals. It goes yeah. without saying. Yeah. It's like absurd to say yes. it is what I'm saying. It is. It's like begging for something when you say it. It's like putting yourself up on some kind of phony pedestal to say it. I didn't realize that, but thank you. Movement is for all bodies. How about that? Movement for all bodies. Yes, that's what I do mean, for all bodies. There we go. Now it's very clear. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I just added too much. I write too many words. Right, that's what I'm saying. Stop, stop, stop already. <laughs> I hear you. I will Thank do that. You. <laughs> so tell us more about aerial yoga and tell us more about the Franklin Method. Oh, um, well, first of all, thank you for having me as a guest this evening. I, you're one of my heroes and mentors, so thank you so much. Um, the A ending is male. The A ending is female. I'm a hero, not a hero. Oh. <laughs> hero. Yes, I agree. Hera. Um, the great goddess Hera. Hera, Hera, yes. Hera, not Hero. Hera. Hera. Okay. Hera. I am your Hera. Thank you. <laughs> um, so back to... Right, and, and the, the, the one who honors is the Cles, the Hera Cles, also known as Hercules, right? Yeah. The honorer of Hera. Ah. So... Aerial yoga? Is this on a trapeze? No. So it is um, the silk. Uh, I don't know if you've seen aerial artists, but they're like these long ribbons of or long lines of fabric that people yes, climb yes. up and do all sorts of really cool stuff on. 
But the aerial yoga, it's folded in half, so it makes a hammock. And it's about hip height. You can do some nice restorative aerial yoga at shin height. So you're not like an insane height off the ground, but you can hang upside down and let your spine really relax and let gravity do its thing. Um, in an inverted sort of way, in an uh, supportive sort of way. And it also, the fabric, when you put your body weight into the fabric, you get that feedback and kind of that massage. So it kind of wakes up um, limp fluid, gets it moving, and acupressure points and all that fun stuff. But most importantly, I got into it because it's fun, and I like to do exercise that is fun. I like to enjoy my movement. So that's really why I got into aerial yoga. Hang upside down. Uh no, you would you be a very high ceiling, yes. Well, actually I had a setup in my attic at my previous home and that wasn't a very high ceiling. You have to work around that, but you know, oh, if you okay. do a lot of aerial yoga you would know how to work around that um so you could have it set up i recommend <laughs> like making sure that it holds four thousand pounds of weight and you right. know it's safe <laughs> but um right, right, right. you can set it up at your house yes <laughs> but yes it's, it's a bit more challenging to teach people via zoom with aerial yoga that was one I of did. the teaching <laughs> modalities i did in a studio so so let's talk about Franklin Method. Easier to do by Zoom, I bet. Oh, yeah. Franklin Method is wonderful because it's so student-focused um, that you really teach the student how to understand this body that they have and how to work with it and how to really embody the function and the form and all these bones and muscles that and use them correctly. Um, so it's really internal to yourself. I could look at you in a yoga pose and say, no, 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 you're not doing that right, just from visually seeing what you look like. But this is more about feeling what you look like. And um, I might be totally incorrect. It might be absolutely perfect for your body. So it's, it's an easy one to teach via Zoom because I'm giving you the skills to understand the biomechanics to set yourself up for safety and um, and enhance your ability to do yoga poses and move and perform and all those good things. <laughs> um, the other thing about Franklin Method is it uses, it's really imagery based. So, you know, People can get hurt doing exercises, but I don't know of anyone that's gotten hurt physically using imagery or using their mind, so that's another bonus. You can actually do movement with your mind, and um, you're not going to injure yourself. So, um, yeah. I, uh, very so the Franklin method is imagery, mostly imagery? It is. It's, well, um, it is mostly imagery. It, it's mostly to do with your mind and, and understanding the function of your body. So there's a lot of use of 
visual props like a skeleton and like your shoulder blade so you can like really see this and then you see it and then you touch it on your body and you use an image for your shoulder blade of a very um, common image is imagining your shoulder blades are bars of soap and I, we could try this we could like lift our shoulders up and down and move them forward and back and imagine your shoulder blades are slippery bars of soap and so if you're you know if you have shoulders at home and you're not driving if you have shoulders at home yes <laughs> all those with shoulders um, yes exactly you can you can join me and lift them up and bring them forward and back and imagine slippery bars of soap and notice if that improves the movement, if it makes it a little more slidey, if you find a little more movement in that um, pretty simple task that I'm asking you to do. But And you can add layers to the imagery. So you can um, imagine a color. What colors are your bars of soap? Imagine your soap is infused with some sort of, or like made with lavender flowers. So you can have a life smell along with the image. And it all starts to like really give a little something extra to the movement versus I, now I'm just lifting my shoulders up and down and forward and back. It just gives it a little like joy. Yes, yes, um, yes, and, absolutely. And ease. Yeah, so there's a lot of that sort of thing. Um, not everyone, there's a lot of props. So, you know, if we're imagining our shoulders are slippery bars of soap, maybe I hold up a bar of soap. So if you're not, like, getting it, you're like, oh, wait, I see this bar of soap. <laughs> and then you have soap. a visual component as well. Yeah. Or I hold up a shoulder I, blade. I'm like, look, it's sliding up and down. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if yeah. you had an opportunity to hear any of the show, but I was talking to a caller earlier about the difference between intellectualizing about something and being having it somatically in your body. Yes, I did hear that, and I and I was like, oh, that's this really is cool. exactly what mm -hmm. you're talking about here. Is that instead yeah, of thinking <laughs> I am moving my shoulder, we are now somatically feeling the movement within ourselves, and it, we we yeah. claim it we claim it in a much more profound way. I think we do. We do. We absolutely do. And we, and it's interesting because it's a mind-body connection. So you're feeling it. And then you're also, your mind is understanding it more because you're feeling it. So, <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. It's a different scenario. <laughs> yeah. You get a better function because your mind is now online with the feeling. So, yeah. How did you first find yeah, out? Of, oh, go ahead. How did you first find out about the Franklin Method? Um, I actually checked out a book. He's he Eric Franklin is the founder. He, um, it started in 1994. He's a Swiss ballet dancer, um, and he has written many books. They're quite. Uh, dense as far as anatomy goes, so sometimes you have to reread them a few times. Thank goodness I've taken the training, so now I've, I understand it more because I have the feeling in my body. Um, but I got his book 
uh, it's called Pelvic Power because I was having some issues with my pelvis. And so I happened upon the book. He has some of the exercises in the book, and they really work. Um, they work better now that um, I understand it a bit more and have so many different ways to learn it, like the pelvic model and all those things. Um, but, yeah, that's how I got into it. I came across the book, and it really worked, and I was sold, and I started taking some classes. Thank goodness there was some classes here in Portland, and the rest is history. Now I have two, I'm a level two Franklin Methodist <laughs> educator. Is Franklin still alive? Oh, yeah. he. Um, oh, he's still teaching the teacher trainings, which is really nice. Um, because he has so much knowledge and um, a really good teacher has the different, like knows the different ways we learn by speaking and listening and drawing and seeing props and um, moving, of course. But yeah, so he, it's, a, it's really, really in-depth training, and so he imparts this to all of us so that we can go out in the world and teach it as well. Fantastic. Do you have a story about someone who was helped by the Franklin Method that you want to share with us? Hmm, that's an interesting question. Well, I have a wide variety of clients or students, um, and many of them are 60 and older. And a lot of them, well, actually, I can think of a specific one. Uh, a person had was experiencing plantar fasciitis, and there's a wonderful foot series. Um, the Franklin Method also uses a lot of props like these um, air-filled balls. And so you can do this foot, foot series kind of massaging your feet with the balls. There's a technique to lengthen and um, the you're not really lengthening fascia, you're decrimping fascia. So I don't really want to use the word lengthen. But you decrimp the fascia of your Achilles tendon and your foot. And that really helps with the plantar fasciitis. And I, too, had plantar fasciitis, and this also worked for me. But anyway, she kept with the practices, and um, she, it totally healed her plantar fasciitis. So that um, is definitely, it's definitely good for the feet. <laughs> it's a very popular right. one, too. Who doesn't, who doesn't like to um, massage their feet and get their feet all ready to walk through the world. Um, it's pretty good. Very good. Mm -hmm. And the feet are right at the base of it all, aren't they? Yes, they begin all the movement. <laughs> so it's very important to get those sensory organs online and really um, it, there's a lot of comparison, so we do one foot, and then we do this comparison and notice the difference between the foot that we just practiced or worked with and the foot we haven't done anything with, and there is always a stark difference, and I've been doing this for quite a number of years, 
and I'm amazed every single time. <laughs> like, wow. Okay, deep, so much deep, wow, two thousand price. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, no, so definitely hats off to Feldenkrais. Christ. Um, I don't know a lot, but I know that there's a lot of sim- similarities um, with the two. But Feldenkrais was, um, Feldenkrais was infamous for doing sequences in which he would work half of the body and then not the other half, and he would say it learned. It, it got it. Yeah, exactly. It's the before and the after. And that's yeah, the yeah, moment. But he it. It. it got it. It got it. <laughs> exactly. Got it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's the motivation. Right. <laughs> like, oh, wait. This is now how I can <laughs> me too, do it. Me too. I have a new foot. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting because the Franklin Method can be a standalone practice. So, I do a lot of Franklin Method workshops, but it also can be layered on top of other movements like yoga. It's very popular Pilates. There's actually quite a large Franklin Method equestrian group, um, opera singers, because there's a lot of diaphragm working, um, toning and releasing and um, what else? Just You can layer it on top of anything. You could, like I did a little bit of diaphragm releasing before I came on the show because I thought, well, why not be able to breathe a little easier <laughs> while, while speaking? Can you do that with all of us? Right now? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> let's do it. We don't have the visual component, but that's okay. I think I can use my words. So find the base of your rib cage, and first let's just map out the bottom of the rib cage. So we're finding the lower edge of the ribs, the bottom ribs there. If you come to the midline, you can feel the bottom of your sternum, your xiphoid process. You can take your fingers and kind of map outward towards the side of your body, noticing that the rib cage almost looks like curtains that are draped. Um, as hmm. far as hmm. just the angle that they're at. And the diaphragm is very similar like that. It's like a dome. So if you bring your fingers, you're on the side of your body, you're at the bottom of your rib cage, you're going to walk your fingers up about four or five ribs. The diaphragm goes up this high into your rib cage, roughly. I mean, we're all a little bit different. And then as you inhale, the diaphragm actually contracts to pull your lungs down and fill up with air. So if um, you can imagine, maybe you uh, bring your thumb up to that fifth rib on the side of your body, and you have your fingers at the bottom. As you inhale, you could draw your thumb down towards your fingers. So the diaphragm is shortening or contracting to breathe in air. And then as you exhale, the diaphragm is actually lengthening. Uh, Some really nice ways to release our diaphragm after having this really nice embodied experience is to give little taps. So I'm using a very light fist, and I'm tapping around the rib cage. And if I make a sound and you hear that, wavering in my voice is because I'm tapping my diaphragm. Ah. 
traditional. I mean, some salutation on, on, uh, on in feminines. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my yoga has really morphed. I I have a tendency to. I learned yoga in the 60s in New York City from people coming out of India. We did asanas. That's awesome. That's what we yeah. did. We did not do flows. We did asanas. And we stayed in the asanas for long periods of time so that we could really feel them. And we didn't do it hot. And we didn't go from pose to pose. An entire <laughs> hour class might be only six or eight poses. Yeah. No, I hear you. It, it's very different than it is That's now. That's traditional I'm, yoga as I was taught it. Yes. From I India. That statement. I, yes. I actually meant to say terrestrial, but then went to terrestrial. And I'm just... As opposed to <laughs> lunar, ocean, Jupiterian, well, ter- Saturnian. Terrestrial versus aerial. So, oh, I got um, it, okay. So, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was a more, um, yeah, I didn't do much of the hatha yoga. I did more of the flow-based yoga. And then I switched over to ter- or terrestrial, to aerial yoga. And was aerial yoga. Way, mm. Yeah, I loved it so much. It was just so different. I, I think I'm a really big fan of using props. <laughs> and, you know, this is like a, such a fun prop. It's like swinging around and hanging upside down and being kind of like a monkey. But it just yes. kind of like the ball started rolling and then a teacher training for aerial yoga came around and then, you know, it's like I did aerial yoga first and then terrestrial yoga second, which is a little bit uh-huh. better. okay, got how, it. That's, yeah, that's right. how it came about. It just was how it happened, how the universe presented itself to me in my yoga practice. <laughs> and teaching yes. my yoga. Now that you know how to fly, <laughs> we'll put you back on the ground. <laughs> yeah. It's very different. You use a lot of upper body strength in aerial yoga, and I hadn't done yoga on the ground in a while, and use a lot more leg strength in yoga on the ground. So I, yes. I did notice a difference going back to yoga on the ground. I was like, well, my legs are not feeling as they used to be. It's interesting. <laughs> Um, I want to make sure that people know how to, how to get in touch with you if they want to find out um, how to join you for Franklin Method classes or to do individual work for you. So let's spend just a little time before all of our time is gone um, with your sharing with people what you can offer them and how they can get in touch with you. Sure. So the website is heart dancesyoga.com and that is where you can go for, to sign up for Zoom yoga classes, learn more about workshops. Um, I have videos. I have a, a free video library. I have videos that are connected to subscription. Um, I have a pelvis slash pelvic floor workshop coming up in September. It's going to be a four-week workshop um, one class per week. So I don't quite have the details totally worked out, but you can check out the website and I will have more information for that. Um, yeah, so heartdancesyoga.com. You can sign up, send me a line, join my class. There's a free class to try it out. 
And by, by Zoom, she means the online platform. She doesn't mean Zooming around in aerial yoga. <laughs> yes, Zoom. Zoom. Meeting. <laughs> Zoom meetings, yes, exactly. Uh, what's what's uh, fascinating you these days? What's, what's on your new horizon? Ooh, um, I actually love gardening and plants, and I would love to incorporate movement and plants and just being inspired by the two and adding them t- together and letting the two things inspire movements or um, encouraging movement to help grow your garden. Does that make sense? It's something I'm working on. But um, I would love to teach yoga at gardens, beautiful gardens. Like I said, get inspired by plants. Do a pose. Be inspired by a tree. Do a tree pose. Um, just incorporating the two. It's my two loves. <laughs> I haven't worked it all out, but that's that's my dream right now, somehow incorporating the two. Yes. So if Ooh, I like a garden it. in the Portland area and they want um, – to add yoga to that garden. Get in touch with me. All right. What a great offer. I envision that what we are doing is reweaving the healing cloak of the ancients. And I see that each one of us takes the time in our lives to spin certain threads And some of those threads are private threads, and some of those threads are public threads. Some of them are are threads that are really big and noticeable, and others are, are threads that, although we don't see them really hold it all together almost in the way that a, a, a resting music can hold the music. And the healing cloak of the ancients is in movement. The weaving of the healing cloaks is movement. And so I honor you and thank you for the movement that you bring to this work and the reminder that you bring to us to keep moving. Oh, thank you so much. And what's the last thing you want to say? What do you want to leave in the hearts and the minds of everyone who's listening to you? Well, first of all, I have goosebumps from that. That was so beautiful. Um, I would love to just remind people that, you know, this body we're given is how we experience the world. It's how we live our lives. And why not bring our body and mind back together and allow the joy and the pleasure that it, um, can be a theme throughout our everyday activities, our lives. And, yeah, so go out there, enjoy your body, enjoy your life, enjoy the pleasure. And, yes, yeah, thank you so much, Susan. What an inspiring message. Thank you, and thank you, Sarah Ellen, so much for helping me to reclaim herbal medicine and 
put it back in its rightful place as people's medicine. And all of you listeners out there, too, thank you. Good night and green blessings, everybody. See you next week.